Amen, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. We have been, um, if you're just with us this morning, hey, briefly, real quick, we've been walking through what we've called this glorious unfolding leading up to, to this holy night of, of what God has done and what God is doing. And, and so we started with um, this, this proclamation made by an angel to um, Zechariah that he was going, he and his wife who were old were going to have a son and that son's name was going to be John who we know as John the Baptist and his whole purpose in life was to prepare the way for the Lord. In fact, we see in John, the Gospel of John chapter 2, John saying just that, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Like he, he, he fulfilled his purpose just in that statement alone. But we see that unfolding. And then we see this revelation to Mary, this young teenage girl who is, who is engaged to be married. And, um, and the angel of the Lord says, hey, you're going to have a child. And, and she says, well, time out. How is that possible? says God is going to do this right God is the one that's going to work all of these things and so we've learned that that in the in the midst of of disappointment we can trust God we've learned that and, and even when we don't understand we can trust God and then last week we unpacked the Magnificat which is Mary's prayer it's a, a prayer of worship that Mary is just declaring and magnifying God and saying this is who he is he is one who is bringing justice. He is one who is worthy of it all. And we walked through that prayer that Mary prayed. And then this morning we're going to see, real briefly, Luke is interesting. He, he, he spends a small portion of time in Luke chapter 2 and verse 1. Listen, he says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. It's real brief almost in comparison to, to the next section that we're going to spend most of our time on today. But Luke just kind of spends this time and says, hey, they, they went to Bethlehem because there was this registration that took place. And we can see that, that if we look at, 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 at history books, okay, we see that this was a real census and this took place at a real time. And and, and God orchestrated all of this to put Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem at the time that Jesus was to be born. Because this was fulfilling Old Testament prophecy in which God said this would take place. Okay? And, and so this is real briefly, and, and here's the interesting thing. The reason Luke, we believe that Luke does this um, so briefly said hey Jesus was born and there wasn't this massive show about it is because the angels had already told Mary it was going to happen so Luke spends so little time telling us because it's just an expectation because God said it right we learned a few weeks ago we take him at his what his word 
God said it. It was going to happen. Luke was just like, hey, Jesus is born. There's, there's no fanfare. There's no huge big deal right in this moment. They're in Bethlehem. It says there's no place for them in the inn. And so Jesus is born in a, in a stable. But scratch out of your head the whole like hotel idea. Okay? There weren't any hotels in Bethlehem. All right? Bethlehem was a, was a, a tiny village. No more than probably 1,000 to 2,000 people lived in Bethlehem at the time. It was, a, it was an agricultural village. Um, but here's the deal. This was Joseph's hometown. And so most likely there was family there. And Jewish culture is a culture of hospitality. Right? So when they say there's no room for them in the end, basically, or guest room, it's basically said that, that Bethlehem, because everybody had come to town for the registration, was pretty packed and full. And so there wasn't any room for them in the guest room. So they put them in a room that was basically a, a cave at the bottom of their home where they would bring animals in at the day, okay? Because they didn't want Mary and Joseph to be out. They wanted them to be somewhere. And so it's not, don't think like a wooden stable, right? This is a cave in which they brought their animals in every night so that the animals stayed safe, okay? You think animals, you're like, that's disgusting. I'm not sleeping with a cow, right? Okay, <laughs> this, is, this was part of their day. This was their culture. It was not a big deal for them, right? But, uh, but, but this, this stable that they, this, this manger they put Jesus in, we, we kind of think it's a wooden thing. It's not. It's, it's basically a, a big, massive rock that they've hewn out, and, and there's just this little spot where the baby can go right there. And so Mary has Jesus, and then she puts him in the manger. And there's a reason for that, but the reason's in the next section where I think we have to dwell today because Luke spends very little time saying, hey, Jesus is born because there was an expectation that it was happening, right? How many of us fail to expect that God's going to move because he said he was going to move? That was free. All right, here we go. Here's, here's the, the thrust of the passage, okay? He spends a significant time about how the world responds to the birth of Jesus. How you and I respond to the birth of Jesus. And so our aim is simple this morning. We follow where God leads and share what he has shown. We follow where God leads and we share what he has shown. Listen, shepherds. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. Guess what? The shepherds were the lowest of the low. Socioeconomically, they were the lowest of the low. No one wanted to be around shepherds. Why? Because they stayed in the field all the time with sheep. You ever been around sheep? You ever, you ever, you ever like dwelt with them? Guess what you start smelling like shortly after you're hanging out with sheep? Good job, y'all answered. Sheep, right? It's just it. Nobody wanted to really be around shepherds. And so here's the deal. God goes to the shepherds. And, and why that's significant is in just a minute. You'll see this. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, 
Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Listen, for unto you, the lowest of the lows, right? Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Right? Luke records the birth of Jesus so that the, angel, the shepherds will know and see where he's at and what he's wrapped in. It's all connecting, isn't it? Right? And so here's the deal. We see this third appearance of an angel. The first one was to Zechariah. The second one was to Mary. This third one's to the shepherds. And it follows the same order, doesn't it? They appear, there's fear, do not be afraid, there's a sign given. That's how it worked. That's how it works, right? Listen. So he tells them this. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. Listen to what he does here. A Savior who is Christ the Lord. All three fulfillment of who Jesus is. First, he's Savior. He, he's the Savior of the world. You're like, well, I don't even know what that means. What is he saving me from? He's come to save you from your sin. Where you mess up and where I mess up. He's the Savior of the world. But the angel goes on and says this, you're Christ. This, is, this is, would have been huge for the Jewish culture because them calling Jesus Christ was declaring that he was the promised Messiah. He was the one that was come to, to take away the sins of the world. The one who's, who, who tells David that one's coming whose kingdom will never end. And then he says this, that he is Christ the Lord. That he is ruler over all things. Over creation, over all things, he is ruler. So, so look, He's saying, Savior, who is Christ the Lord, everything that was promised is fulfilled in this baby. And listen to what happens. They're going to find him wrapped in swaddling cloths, cloths, lying in a manger. And then verse 13, And suddenly there was with an angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. So let's just unpack that for just real briefly. Glory to God in the highest. Angels are saying, praise to God in the highest possible places. Like in, in the highest form, in what, as much as we can do it, praise Him because it's His work. It's what He has done. And then on earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. Look, this is the gospel, church. Peace is on those with whom he's pleased. The only way that God is pleased with you and I is when we step into relationship with Jesus. This is not a declaration to the whole world that they're going to have peace outside of Jesus. What he's saying here, what the angels are saying is, glory to God in the highest and peace on those who make Jesus the Savior, Christ, and Lord of their life. It's the gospel in, in, as the angels sing. Verse 15, when the angels went away from them 
into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste. You ever gone anywhere with haste? Some of you are like, yeah, 40 years ago. <clears throat> I feel that some days, okay? I went with haste when I was 20. I don't necessarily go with haste anymore. Logan can attest, right? <clears throat> you ever like race somewhere like, man, I got to get there. I got to get there. How many of you did that like in the last two days to a store? Uh-huh, exactly. Yeah, we all did, right? I, I saw a lot of you there. It was crazy. Okay, so, so they go with haste, right? It, it's, it's as if, and, and I want you to think of something here. This is what's interesting, is that the shepherd's livelihood was their sheep. Their livelihood was the sheep. Shepherds didn't just leave their sheep. But look what they do. Let us go over to Bethlehem. In, in verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Look, our, our aim was this this morning, is that we are to follow God where he leads you. Follow God where he leads you. God came to the shepherds and said, hey, you're going to go and you're going to find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And what do, they, what do the shepherds do? They go, don't they? Listen, we are called to follow God wherever he leads. Is it always going to make sense? No. It's not. It's not always going to make sense. But we're called to follow him wherever he leads. You're like, well, I don't know where he's leading. Okay, well, let me, let me be a pastor for you real quick. Okay? If you don't know where God's leading you, then chances are you haven't picked up your Bible in a while. You haven't sat down and prayed. And instead of doing all the talking, listen. Follow where God leads. That's what the shepherds do with haste. They didn't delay. They didn't go, well, I'll do it next week. Well, I'll do it when my kids are raised. I'll follow you, God wrong man there's nothing greater that you can do for a as a parent for your kids than to follow hard after jesus right now because they are watching and they are doing what you do they are saying what you say follow him now and they will see and they will learn as they grow what it looks like to follow him wherever he leads. But listen, we're also to share what he has shown. Look, the shepherds were given this, and they were given this information, and, and they go and they, they, they share everything with all those that were there, and, and then they leave praising God. And there's, there's three responses here. Two of them are, are positive, and one of them kind of worries me. And I think that's where anybody in this room is, okay? 
All of us can find ourselves in this category this morning. Listen to what happens. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. This is the first category, and this is the category that worries me the most. Is that all those wondered at what the shepherds had told them. My fear is so many times you wonder who Jesus is, and you kind of think about it, and you kind of process it, but you've never gotten to a place where, where you, you said, yeah, he is the Savior of the world. He is Christ. Because here's the deal. Christmas isn't just about a baby named Jesus. I love what our kids did last week. If the, Christine knocked it out of the park with our kids and the, and the shadow play. But here's the beauty in that shadow play is that they focused on the major and, and Jesus, but, but man, they got to the end. <laughs> they got to the end. But you see, Christmas isn't just about a baby. It's about Jesus who lived a perfect life. And then he went to the cross and died the death that you and I deserve. And so in the shadow play last week, we have Jesus hanging on the cross because that's the gospel, church. He died for you and for me. And my biggest fear for, for those of you that just wonder, that you never come to a place where you say, yep, he is who he says he is. He's Jesus. He's the savior of the world. As John proclaimed, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's who He is. So if you're over here and you're, you're wondering, my prayer for you is that you would move from wondering to proclaiming. But then there's this. There's Mary who treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Have you treasured Jesus? Have you treasured what he come to do on a, on a regular basis? We had a piano recital this past Monday. Lisa Cummins rocked it with all of her students. It was phenomenal. But my kid was playing, Oh, Come All You Faithful, for the recital. And she was practicing um, last week, or the week before. And, I, and she was just playing and playing and playing. And I stopped her and I said, Hey, um, let's talk about something. And she was like, Okay. I said, I want, I want you to think through this, and then I want you to play this song. She's like, okay. And so we talked about this, and I, and I brought this passage up where, where Mary pondered all these things in her heart. And, and I said, hey, Landry, I want you to think through what does it mean to, to, to treasure Christ, to think about what it means when we get to the chorus of, oh, come all you faithful. Come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Oh, come, let us adore him. So we talked through that, and then and she began to play, and it was different, church. It was different. When we treasure Christ, it's different. When we stop and pause in the, in the busyness and the bustling of everything, to treasure Christ, it's different. It's different. And then, and then here it is, verse 20. 
And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Is that said of you this Christmas? Have you spent more time praising God and telling everyone you know that the king has come? Or have you spent more time in stores buying gifts? Ouch, don't, mm, don't do that. But, but that's the reality for us in our Western culture, isn't it? Like if we spend more time praising God for who he is and declaring that Jesus has come and he is savior, then we have anything else. Because here's the reality for us, church, is that if we would be busy about sharing what he has shown, less people would be wondering who Jesus is and they would be proclaiming who he is. Church, let's lead him. Let's, let's follow him where he leads and let's share what he has shown. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word this morning. Got to pray that as we move into this time this, of our service, that we would continue to worship you, praising you just as the shepherds did, Father. We are thankful for the gospel this morning. We're thankful for what you are doing. Father, for anybody here this morning who hasn't made Jesus the Lord of their life, may today, may these moments be when they do that. God, we love you. It's your name we pray. Amen.